Good morning, church. It's good to be back together once again. I echo what Ashley said. This is good for my soul. I just needed it. I don't know about you guys, and, and I'm honored to be here with you, as Pastor Trey mentioned. If you don't know me, my name's Sean. I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm delighted to bring the message. And Tim is at school this weekend, which I don't know what he has to learn, because he told me when he got licensed that he became all-knowing. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's true or... <laughs> Yeah, he needs to go, yeah. Well, it's an exciting time in the church calendar. For those that don't know, it's the season of Lent. And so during the season of Lent, we practice, um, we practice the preparation of looking forward to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we do this by reminding, of our, our, reminding ourselves of our own dependence and how we need to rely on God. We remind ourselves of our own utter sinfulness and praise God for what he's done. And in that season, we've been going through this series called I Am. We're focusing in on some of the I am statements of Jesus, which are all found in the Gospel of John, for those that maybe didn't realize that. And the point of this series is that it's one thing to know about Jesus, and it's one thing to know the historical Jesus and what Jesus did and what maybe Jesus accomplished, but it's something different entirely to know who Jesus is. And that's what Jesus invites us to learn when he refers to himself as I am. When God refers to himself as I am, he invites us to not just know about him, but he invites us to know him and to know who he is, and we believe that that is where true transformation comes in life, is through knowing Jesus. And last Sunday, Pastor Terry shared an, an amazing message um, when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And she reminded us that life throws us curveballs, and that's something that's guaranteed. Not everything is going to go according to plan. But in Christ, we have the perfect navigator. And even if we seem lost, we put our trust in him, and we're going to be heading in the right direction. And this week we're going to be talking about um, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, and a little bit about what that means. And, and of course, we're going to be talking about how we can't really live a life that's meaningful. We can't live a life of fulfillment. We can't feel truly content unless we are attached to the true vine. And we're going to learn that together through the scripture. But before we do that, I was hoping we could pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we do our best to find fulfillment in life. We attach ourselves to vines that ultimately don't fulfill us. They don't bring us satisfaction, and they leave us empty. Let us discover you, the true vine, this morning. God, there's nothing of any significance that I have to offer you. All I offer is, is my availability. So God, use me that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. I pray that we may leave this place loving you more and loving each other more. Amen. So does anybody remember, or does anybody like the Guinness Book of World Records? I brought a picture of, of their logo. I remember when I was a kid, it seems like maybe it's outdated now, like there's, we pay less attention to it. Um, but I loved it so much, like usually we, I, I would get the book at like some kind of book fair or something that we had at our school um, that I think were intended for kids to like find books that they're interested in reading. And so my classmates would like pick out like the newest Harry Potter book or like maybe like a Goosebumps, but I would walk up to the counter with like the Ripley's Believe It or Not or, like, and the Guinness Book of World Records, which probably surprises no one here. Uh, but, I, you know, I'd walk up there and plot my mom and dad's money down on the counter and go home with something even better. Those other kids didn't even know. They were, they were getting a fat ripoff, and here I come with the Guinness Book of World Records. But I feel like it's outdated because people, like, if, if I ever see a record being broken, it's like the most obscure record I've ever heard of. 
Like it's like the largest collection of cheeseburger related items or something like that. Like I saw on their website, it was uh, somebody broke the record for like most pieces of candy eaten with a blindfold using chopsticks in one sitting. It was an actual record. <laughs> Believe it or not. And I think also that we, like we're getting to the point now where we're beginning pretty advanced as a species and it's getting harder to find people that can actually break records that are worth breaking, right? And so we pick out, like we maybe find our claim to fame in this little, little known record that doesn't really matter. Maybe it seems like you wouldn't even want to own that. Have you ever thought about what record you would go after? Like, would you chase after more cheeseburger collectibles so you could break that one? So I got to thinking, I was like, I really don't think that I could break one that I would want to break. It would have to be something weird that I would invest too much time in and too much money into that just wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even want to tell my friends that I own their record, right? Let alone be in the book. So I got to thinking, I was like, well, maybe there is, a, I think there actually is a record that I could, that I could break, that I could be the record holder of, that there actually would be a lot of fierce competition for. And so if you, if you go on their website, you can click on, like you can submit an application to start you know, the process of, of trying to break a world record, and they have to come and they have to verify it. So I went ahead and I started my process, and I'm hoping soon that I'll hear from them. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you know when I do, but I think pretty soon that I will break the Guinness Book of World Records, and I will become the world's most average man. But there's a lot of competition in that, right? Like, I mean, look at a bell curve. Like, most of the competition is right there in the middle. Does anybody else feel like they could compete with me for this? Maybe? Or world's most average person. We'll be all-inclusive here. So it got me to thinking. I went on the Internet, looked up uh, the average height for an American male. If you don't know that, that would be 5'9", which is what you're looking at right now. Um, the average weight... 195, you're looking at 195 right here. Um, I'm incapable of growing any significant amount of facial hair on my face, <laughs> and I'm destined to appear to be 16 years old for the rest of my life, I think. <laughs> you know, let's be honest, if I were out late one night and my wife was home alone, she's probably not going to worry a whole lot, you know? There's people in ministry that I look up to that, that I just love, and I'm just like, I can't, I, I'm not even worthy to shine your shoes <laughs> in ministry. Or, or your, your, your theological ability and your complex thought is something that I can't, I can't measure up to that. It's like, I don't say this like seeking attention, like everyone come up to me after the service and be like, no, Sean, you, you know, you're really, and then they struggle to find anything that you can like actually <laughs> mention, Right? So I don't say it to like seek attention or try and get affirmation. I actually say it because my thinking on this is actually a, a real problem in my life that I would even actually call sinful, and it's that I'm really hard on myself. And um, I, I compare everything. So like everything I see, I compare myself to it, or I compare something else. Anything that I'm involved in or that I'm a part of, I'm comparing that to something else, and how successful is that? You know, so... This, this comparison trap in, in me thinking of, uh, so, so little of myself so often makes me want to control as much as I can possibly actually control, right? So I want to control what I look like. I want to control how I dress. So I can't control how tall I am, unfortunately. I want to control how I dress. I want to control how people think of me. I want to control my cognitive ability. I want to control how others think about me, and I want to control how God thinks about me. 
because of how close I am to the median, I try and like compensate for my averageness by controlling the things that I can actually control. And you see, the problem with that is, is I put all my value and all my hope on myself. And I end up chasing after this at one moment, and then that, that doesn't do it for me, and ends up failing. And then maybe I, I try this, and I try and fix that in my life, and I don't feel fulfilled from that, because I never attach myself to the true vine, the true vine that only produces fruit. And maybe you're like me, whether you're extraordinary, or maybe you little, feel a little bit more average to the world's standards. But you act as if you believe you're the only one with the control, you're the only one with the power. No matter what direction life takes you, you're left unfulfilled. You see the disasters of the world happening around you and you feel like there's no hope. You never feel like you're enough. You never feel like your life is enough. Maybe your marriage is imperfect. You aren't the best student in the world. You aren't maybe where you thought you'd be in your career endeavor. Your kids don't always behave the way that you want them to. You don't feel like you really even have an identity in life. Who am I? If any of this resonates with you, you're here on the right Sunday. Because I think you're going to have a message of hope and transformation and redemption from God this morning. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and we're going to read through uh, verses 1 through 8. And what's happening in, in this passage is Jesus is within 24 hours of being taken away and led to the cross. Judas has already taken off to turn him in. And so I think it would be safe to say that whatever Jesus has to offer up at this point, he wants people to hear it because it's the last thing that some of the disciples are going to hear from him in his ministry. Starting in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit. You're already trimmed because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you'll produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit. And in this way, prove that you were my disciples. See, the vine was an often used Old, Old Testament illustration. And it was actually a negative. It always had a negative connotation. The people of Israel were referred to as the vine. But they were the vine that never bore fruit. They couldn't produce any good fruit. And so they constantly go back to this metaphor that Israel, you're trying to make it on your own. You're trying to produce fruit on your own and you can't do it. You've never been able to do it. And so Jesus takes this metaphor and he turns it on his head. So instead of the Jews thinking as themselves as the vine, Jesus says, no, I'm the true vine. You're not the one that's supposed to, supposed to produce fruit because you can't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the true vine. I am doing what you can't do on your own. 
You've not been able to be fruitful on your own, but guess what? You never have to, and you were never supposed to. I'm going to do that for you. And this is an absolute miracle, especially to the Jews that Jesus is talking to. Because all their lives and all their ancestors' lives, they tried to build up everything they could to impress God and to make God happy and do all these deeds to make other people happy and to make God happy and pleased with their life. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not, knock it off. That's not what it's about. No more worrying about pleasing me because it's not about you. It's about me. I am the true vine who bears fruit. And I think we, we have the same struggles today, no matter, where we, no matter where we place them. Maybe we, you know, we try and check off our religious checklist because we think maybe that'll keep God off my back and that'll keep God happy and maybe I can live a good life that way, right? Got my third kid through confirmation this year, so, you know, feeling good about that. Done and done. Maybe you find fulfillment in other things. You try and find fulfillment in other people. You attach to that vine. We think consciously or subconsciously that if we just do one more thing, if we just have one more thing a part of our lives, or if I just get better at this one thing, that I'm going to find fulfillment in that. And maybe you do for a minute. But Jesus says, why waste your time? It's not about that. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to be anything special. You just have to remain in me, and I do all the work. I'm the true vine. And so often we connect ourselves to all these false vines, thinking that these are the things that are going to give us what we need in life. Surely this vine is the one that I can hang my hat on. Have you guys been waiting? Have you guys been wanting to know what's going on with this? I'm not announcing lottery numbers. Um, the United Methodist Church actually takes a stance on that, um, particularly for pastors, I'm sure. So uh, my brother Reggie, who's the, the youth pastor at the South City site, he's not actually my brother. He's my brother in Christ. You would know that if you met him, but he's not actually my brother. Um, this is a really cool illustration, so I can't take all the credit for it. He showed me this video, um, but I can't take the credit for taking it and adapting it to today's message. So I can't take the credit for that, but shout out to Reggie. Imagine that this vase is all of us, right? Right now it's what? It's empty, right? And so these ping pong balls represent all of, the, all of the other vines we try and attach ourselves to, all of the bad fruit in our lives. So maybe we grab onto the vine of pretending that we have a perfect family or a perfect marriage. You attach yourself to the vine of living vicariously through your child's success. Maybe you attach yourself to financial security and comfort. Maybe you attach yourself completely to the vine of comfort, of hiding and running from your fears and never facing them. Maybe you attach yourself to the vine of your sexual identity. Maybe you attach yourself to, your, uh, to the vine of your political party or your political agenda. Maybe you attach yourself to the vine of what my social media life is like or what other people think about me. Maybe you have anger problems. Maybe you are lustful. Or maybe, like me, you spend, see you, you spend all this time comparing everything. So now this vase looks full, right? But if you actually look at it, it's not full. There are holes everywhere. There are holes and gaps all over this thing. 
So maybe we feel full, but we're not actually truly full. And so this water is going to represent the true vine, and it's going to attach how we attach ourselves to the true vine. So maybe like we start going to church once a month and we make church a priority. Maybe we get a little bit better and we go to church twice a month. Get a little bit better, we make it a priority every week. Maybe we make prayer a priority in my household. We start praying before every meal. We have a Bible study together. Maybe I start going to Total Tuesdays and I'm a part of a class. See, I'm starting to do these things that might attach me to the true vine. And look what's happening to the other vines in our life and the other fruit in our life. So where are we at right now? There's a couple things I want to pay attention to. First of all, notice that the true vine doesn't just fill the holes in your life. It didn't just come in and fill this gap here and this gap here. It wants to take it all over. It's not okay with just having part of it. It's like, no, I'm going to uproot all of this. I'm going to prune this fruit out of your life, and I'm going to pull it out, and I'm going to take over. The other thing I want to pay attention to is we might do all these things so we can have this relationship with Jesus, and those are great things. But maybe this is what life looks like when we're just doing those things. We're going to church. We are praying. We are making our church community a priority. If you were standing on Lindbergh and you could see this, what would you notice first? Would you notice all of this or would you notice this? You're going to see the ping pong balls before you see this clear plastic it's glass, actually, so I'm being very careful. This clear glass vase. Because it's not about the things that we're doing. Notice also the vase has nothing to do with anything that's happening. It's the true vine that's pushing all of those things out of our life. So now maybe we get to the point in our life where we really get to know Jesus. I thought that was pretty subtle. <laughs> Apparently not. It's completely full. No gaps. No spaces. But fulfillment. That's a pretty cool illustration, but I actually haven't even gotten to the best part yet. Because here's the best part. This is what we look like when we are attached to the true vine. Now, let's try and take this bad fruit. Let's try and take these false vines and put them back into our life. What happened to them? They're just on the surface now. The true vine says, no, 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 you love me. That stuff can't come back into your life. Maybe it attaches to the surface. Maybe for a time being, that's a part of our life. But if really attached to the true vine, it's only going to stay on the surface. And if you remember in the passage, Jesus says, God the Father is the vineyard keeper. And here comes the vineyard keeper, ready to pick and to prune all of that out of your life. You love me. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. So those things only remain on the surface, and we are left fulfilled, and we are left content. This is pretty freeing news. This is the message of the gospel. 
in Ashley's prayer, she said she didn't want to wait. Jesus says, you don't have to. Fulfillment is here today for you. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to feel this way. I'm here now. Attach yourself to me. Christ wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to attach yourself to the true vine. And he wants to prune and to pick those things in your life that are not going to leave you fulfilled. See, I'm not special. I didn't even come up with this illustration. (laughs) That's how average I am. I'm just a dumb branch that loves attaching to the vine, that loves attaching to the true vine. If you haven't done that yet, just call Christ. Call on him and say, you want to feel that way. You want that in your life, and he will, and he will pick. It might not take five seconds like it just did when I was pouring those ping pong balls out. It might be a longer process, but call on him, and he will fulfill that. He wants to prune all those things out of your life so you can feel that contentment and you can feel that fulfillment in life, no matter what direction life goes in. And maybe you're a lot like me, and sometimes, the majority of the time, you feel like you're at the stage where the ping pong balls were like right there, right? And you have this this feeling of fulfillment underneath, and yet you still get distracted by these other things. Just attach yourself to the vine. Remain in him. It's nothing special. You don't have to do anything on your checklist. You just have to call to Christ. And he will be there. How different would the world look if we attached ourselves to the true vine and we all lived this life instead of the jumbled mess with all the gaps in it that we saw when the ping pong balls were in there? What if, what if we all attached ourselves to the true vine instead of all these fake vines that the world tries to convince you are going to leave you satisfied, but they don't. It will be different forever, and I pray that we would choose Jesus, and this church exists to help you get there. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Let's pray together. God, we admit that We've attached ourselves to the wrong vines. We've grown some terribly bad fruit. Prune us. Help us to attach ourselves to you and remain in you. God, let us rely on this church that we would remain in you forever. Thank you for how simple it is. I don't have to be special because you are. We know that we can never accomplish anything without you. So we praise you that you just offer yourself who is always enough, who will never leave us empty, who will never leave us wanting, but is always enough. We pray that in you, we may find true love, true fullness, and true contentment in this life and the next. Let us rely on you and you alone. And when we need help from a friend, or we need to be that help to a friend, let's point them to you, the true vine. It's through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.